two village idiots with a love-hate relationship. See, you got fat. So you still look like a 15-year-old girl, but not hot. Who can't stop arguing over Oklahoma sports. You know what, man? Why am I still talking to you? Come on, we were doing good there, man. It's the Just Okay Sports Podcast. Nation, Thunder Nation, we are back. This is the Just OK Sports Podcast. I'm one of your village idiots, Daryl. I am here with my brother, Jared. And again, this is the Oklahoma Sports Podcast, otherwise known as Just OK. Please like, subscribe, leave a five-star review. Do whatever you can to make other people endure the same pain that you are by listening. So with all that said, Jared, how are we, sir? Uh, I'm doing good. Um, we got to start talking about weather, right? Isn't that our thing? We start talking about weather. Yeah, uh, we have had a lot of weather discussions. Yeah, no, uh, no, it's been good. It's been a busy weekend. I actually like. I yesterday I took most of the day to watch football. I mean, it was like a long day of football because like uh, I even watched most of the USC game. I think I stopped watching in like the last like couple minutes or whatever. Um, but it's like, dude, it's kind of crazy, especially now living on the East Coast. I know it's only an hour difference, but it's like. Like some of the games don't end till like one in the morning or something. You know what I mean? It's funny as I was yeah. watching the USC game and I watched it all the way up until the Japanese Grand Prix started at 1 a.m. So, you know, um, but yeah, today's just been like, you know, being an adult. I feel like uh, uh, Frank from old school, you know, it's like, oh, you know, if we can get it all in today, I don't go to bed, bath, beyond Home Depot. I just don't know if we can get it all in, you know, like that kind of <laughs> thing. So, but how are things for you, you idiot? Uh, uh, it's been good. I will agree with you. When we lived in Massachusetts, man, watching sports was hard. Um, because like I always wanted to watch the Thunder games when I still lived out there. And it was the same, dude. It was like games starting at like 1030 at night. And it was just like, oh, my Lord. Whereas I have a friend now that's living in Washington. He's like, dude, it's magnificent. Games are on at like 830 in the morning and they're all over by like four in the afternoon. I'm just like, God, that's like crazy yeah. you know um so yeah that all is great but no good um full week lots lots of stuff going on but really good stuff had a great morning at church this morning and was excited about that so um we had an awesome tailgate at the edmund santa fe which by the way dude mm. got to go to the edmund santa fe game we didn't even put this in the notes so i'm i'm going off script i'm pulling a troy right here uh but being at the santa fe game got to see um, Josh Isosa, who is our offensive guard commit for Man- Edmund Santa Fe, um, and Bergen Kaiser, who is our preferred walk-on commit from there, who plays, dude, that dude played defensive end, defensive tackle, tight end, punter, holder for place kicks. Like, he was everywhere on the field and got double and triple teamed all night and still made plays. Uh, but dude, they have this kid, I believe his name is Demarius Robinson. Um, they're running back. I bet you that dude ran for about 300 and something yards the other night against Edmund Memorial. Like, oh Lord. it was like, here's an example. It's 31 seconds to go till halftime. They have the ball on like the 26 yard line or so on their own, their own 26, right? right? So they give a handoff. You know how it is. Like, oh, if we break it, right? But really, you're just kind of running clock out. Oh, no, he breaks it and gets all the way to the other 15-yard line before he's knocked out of bounds um, eventually. And, I mean, it was run like that time after time. Um, And I actually know one of their coaches on the Santa Fe staff, and I was like, dude, 
you told me y'all's running back was good, but I did not. And he goes, dude, we call him cheat code. That's his nickname. And check this out. I didn't know this. As a freshman, he rushed for 1,600 yards. Last year, he got injured and was out the entire season. Um, so, I mean, they've got, dude, that kid's a player. Um, and I really, I mean, I need to go watch him probably against some other people, but dude, I'm watching that kid just going, why are we not offering this guy? Cause he's got it all. It was crazy. So full week, fun week, but it was all, it was all good. It was all good. So any Florida man happenings? Oh man. When is there dude? Okay. Yeah. There is one. I tweeted about this. Or I retweeted it. There was an incident. I, it was not that far from where I mean, nothing's really that far from where I live, but I don't think it was like it's maybe like an hour and a half if it's where I understood it was. Um, these cops were driving down the road, and at least the way the article made it sound, they were like driving down the road and they saw a body and like pulled over and then like went to retrieve the body. And there was like a giant gator, and they figured out that oh, the yes. body had ate I the saw, yeah. like had ate, yeah, like had, had killed the guy. And I was like, bro, like that's the most Florida thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, that was it was like, and I was like, that's just a normal Tuesday here. I don't, you know, let's don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it, it's just it's one of those like, uh, just things that happens. Like you know, like I, I've already like desensitized to like, um, there was an article that was coming out on the news where like. They broke like they're the police like raided a house and there was like eighty five ball pythons or something that were living in this house that this person was like. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's just normal, you know. It's probably, <laughs> probably one of my neighbors or something. Don't worry about it. But right. um, anyway, so yeah, it's like, I guess it's well, it's like, and I guess we're like in that weird time where it's like cooling off. Like it's cooled off a lot in the last yeah a uh, couple weeks. Um, uh, so I think like the wildlife starting to move, like you know, it's all reptilian, so it's got to like go to different places, and that's what even like one of my neighbors was saying, like, especially if you go like further, a little bit further south, where that's more common to see gators and snakes and stuff, you have to watch out on the highways, even because they'll try to walk out on the highway to get the warmth off the road. Um, oh, when it gets cooler at night and stuff. So, that's crazy. yeah, so wow. yeah, just normal wow. Florida stuff. Normal Florida stuff. Well, speaking of normal, uh, the Sooners were back into a normal place this week of winning, which was nice. Uh, capping off uh, a big road win, uh, giving themselves a 4-0 record as they win 20-6 to um, against Cincinnati. Um, and so just really quick as we just kind of get into it, Jared, kind of what are some you have just any just overall thoughts? Maybe start with your positives on the game overall, your two or three things that you saw and were really pleased with or walked away excited about. Um, well, Danny Stutzman's that dude. Um, yeah. Danny Stutzman, I, I even tweeted this at the, the Oklahoma breakdown when they were asking like for what my takeaway was. Like right now, obviously, like I haven't followed every team and exactly what their stats are, but it's like, how is Danny like Danny Stutzman? I mean, I know like it's way early in the season. But it's like if you were like voting right now on the Buckus Award, I don't know how he's not the front runner at this yeah. point in the season. Um, you know, and I even saw somebody like compare him to like Manti Teo's stats, like if his uh stats were going to carry it out through the season or whatever he keeps performing that way, then it's like his stats would even be, be better than Manti Teo, his uh mm. um Heisman when he ran with Heisman runner up or whatever. Um so yeah, so Danny Setsman's that guy. Um was really pleased to see this is going to, we're going to get into this later. So I want to, I, I do want to preface this, but um, 
the defensive line I thought actually played maybe its best game. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about why they maybe didn't light up the stat sheet as much. Um, but the defensive line looked way much improved. PJ is putting it together, man. Uh, that guy's. I mean, what? It's his fourth game. And yeah. it already feels like he's made major strides from game to game. And we already think that his ceiling is ridiculous. So, um, yeah, that. And then it's just the the other thing is like, I, you know, I know that we didn't light up the stat sheet on offense, but I'm going to give an offensive thing. Um, Honestly, the receivers are just so good. Like our receiving core yeah. is ridiculous. Um, Anthony is, is has been phenomenal basically all season. Yeah. Um, you know, you, we've already talked about, uh, Nick Anderson and, uh, you know, several Farouk and all those other guys. It's like we, when we came into this season, it was funny because we talked about it and we, we, we considered it maybe a shallow or, a, a, you know, not nearly as deep of a position as some of the other position groups, just because there was a lot of potential, but nobody really proven, um, right. you know, Farouk had the most playing time, but Farouk at that point had been like flashes, but not consistent. Anthony was the same where like when he was at Michigan, he showed flashes while he was there, but never was mm-hmm. like a, an every, every game contributor. Uh, and dude, like really it's crazy how, uh, how good it is. So like, honestly, that's my three things is, you know, receivers D line and really the linebackers overall. Cause even when Canik went down, yeah. um, then they, for one, Danny slid over and kid, right. you know? So it was like, and, and you, and you really didn't like for one, good on Danny for being able to to play a totally different position and good on Kip to be able to come in and be all over the freaking field. Um, So like I said, the linebackers, I think that's, again, that's to me, that's starting to see Venables, um, which apparently urban Meyer, did you hear about the whole urban Meyer, what he said? No, he was like, basically before the game, he was like saying how, like he didn't know how to feel about Oklahoma and he wasn't sold on him. And he didn't think that like, he was like, you know, Brent, I don't know if I'm just buying. He's a great D coordinator, but I don't know buy into this, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, at halftime, he was like, well, so you can see that Brent's got his hands on the on the defense, and that's why this team is so, so good. And I was like, bro, like, you can't even remember the bull crap he sold, like, an hour ago, but whatever. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you can just see, like I said, the fact that the linebackers have taken such a massive step. Um, yeah. I still don't think they're perfect, but. I mean, I I don't know that a unit that's going to be, so I'm just very impressed with that. You can see his fingerprints all over that. So, what's yeah. your what's your three big positives? Well, just uh, I just had this thought. We didn't even have in the rundown, but shout out to Jaron Canick for being healthy and okay. Um, yep. That was a pretty gnarly situation. Like when it first happened, I thought, I I don't know, didn't like see anything big, but then you heard the sideline reporter say that she saw blood on his mouth and. You could see him kind of on the field coughing and stuff. And so then it was like, dang, dude, like he puncture a lung or something like what happens, you know? And so um, super great news to hear that he was released from the hospital and going to ride the bus home with everybody, all that stuff. Um, hey, look, I, I don't I don't know why the hate is so high. I mean, I've only been I've made it through three quarters of, of true film study. But man, outside of two throws really impressed with Dylan Gabriel Dylan Gabriel is a better quarterback right here right now than he was last year and I know that we've said that but you were playing an up uh, an uptick in talent right and especially on that D line and he did have 
pressure on him throughout the day, um, you know, that he had to kind of work through, see through. Um, but, like, I put notes down, like, early in the game, he has a great throw to Gavin Freeman right over the middle. Um, I posted one on Twitter. If you go to Just OK Sport on Twitter, um, you'll see on there that he's got one uh, where he takes a shot right into the grill as he lets the ball go, still finds Drake Stoops and puts it on a dime to him. Um, you know, I know he missed the deep ball to Farouk. Man, that, yeah. It's, let me ask that because I did watch the uh, the first quarter. I still feel like Farouk just kind of like was a little gassed and just didn't really turn and run under it. I don't know. It's hard. Like when I watched it live, I thought, oh, I don't know. But I was listening to the radio broadcast as they were watching that. And that's what Teddy Lehman said. He goes, that's not Farouk's normal get down the field kind of speed. And I, one thing I meant to do and I was watching uh, play by play and I forgot is I wanted to track how many plays Farouk had been on the field for because he had a catch or two on that drive. And yeah. I am curious how gassed he was. But even so, he was so open. That's a ball you just got to put out there and make sure he's going to catch. That's not one you have to worry about. The one he misses to Jaden Gibson um, on the left side. I mean, a miss, but the coverage is good. I mean, so in the sense of not putting the ball in harm's way, him throwing it out of bounds is not a bad deal. But I, I'm of the mentality of go give Gibson a shot, right? But all, all that to say, Dylan Gabriel played really, really, really well. And again, he is better um than he has been and, and we've said this before but when you really do stop and process like even watching that usc game like dylan gabriel's not caleb williams like he's yeah. not and there's like less than like a percent of a percent that could even claim to be in the category of caleb williams well that was our quarterback before dylan right i mean yeah kyler murray is in that category but i mean the guys that he followed are just so good we can't imagine anybody missing a pass, and the reality is that's not uncommon. Well, um, well, well even like the Jaden Gibson ball, it's like I saw that, and I was like, and I was trying to tell me it was like, yeah, it was a miss, but it's not like, you know, last year he would have sailed that ten yards over his head into the stands. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it was, it was, at, you know, like I said again, a miss, but it's like that's like one of those more of like uh, dial it back a few percent and that's a good throw sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. Well, and know, again, the, the coverage something. was there, right? So yeah. you don't know, maybe DG's thought process is look, that's my read. He's covered. I'm just going to throw it. You know, if he just makes a, a circus catch, great. But if not, we're safe, you know, because that right. is one thing DG does well is he does not put the ball in harm's way hardly at all. Right. Last year, it was guys running wide open that he was missing, you know, and we're not really the Farouk one's really the only one I could find there. So that's my one, uh, you know, two, um, man, how about this? I'm going to say safeties to think that you're down Reggie Pearson, you're down a cheetah, uh, you know, position. So they were rotating some guys even in over there a little bit. Um, but the development, like, think about this. At what point did you look at the screen and say, what's Key Lawrence doing? Like, I can't yeah. think of a single play, right? Last year, that was constant. And the year before, under Grinch, that was constant. Like, he has he been had, developed. He had flashes. He had flashes, but he's consistent. It's, again, it's the consistency. Yeah, but that's development. I mean, that like you want to see if this staff can develop you or not. 
Just look at that. Look at Ethan Downs, who is playing much better right now. But the safeties overall, man, just their ability, their speed um, it is something to look at. And then, yeah, I would say the last is, I would say the big win is you really can see development overall across the board. Um, like I said, Ethan Downs looks better um, than he did a year. Marcus Stripling looks better and is making plays when he's on the field when we thought that was a guy that for sure was going to transfer and he's he's making the most of it you know Danny um, Stutzman Jaron Canick I mean yeah I mean across the board and even like DG DG is better right now than he was a year ago that's the wide receivers Jaden Gibson like how many drops has he got this year oh I can tell you none he has zero right like that's development like Last year, we could not get separation at all. It was constantly being draped by defensive backs. This year, that's not there. So, um, I, just the development of this team is great. Are they are they world beaters? No, um, but they are much, much improved, no doubt about it. So, um, right. I would say that. Now, look, 20-6, to six, we said this would be a scrappy game before we went into it. We said this defense was good. I was the one tooting the horn that this past defense was better than anybody gave it credit for. And I think that they showed that. I think their DB showed that a little bit in this game. Um, but even so, you walk away with a 20 to 6 victory. So we've talked about the good. Now, Jared, what do you think did you see in this game that needs to be better? Um, I mean, I'm gonna go with something that I know you would pick, but um the <laughs> offensive line. I mean, the offensive line of the first half was not not very good, um, especially yeah. in the run game. Um, you know, I think again, they I think they hold up decent in the in the in pass pro, but um yeah, just in the run game, they just could not do a whole lot. I saw maybe like one hole in the first half that was, you know, um a good hole, not something that somebody's gonna literally try to squeeze through. Um, so yeah, that's that's gotta get better. I mean, and it's just one of those things that it it's even like beyond the season of when you go to the SEC, you're gonna get demolished. Um yeah against some of those those uh defensive lines. Um and then two um I I I got to go with like oh man I I know you're probably going to hate this. I'm going to pick on one person. Um Marcus Major. He had ended up having a decent game, but the first half I I just don't here's what I don't understand. I guess maybe it's not even Marcus Major. It's maybe a DeMarco question, maybe it's a Jeff Levy question. I don't know who's making the call. Marcus Major started out rough. I think we can all agree on that. Right. Like he had the one good run and he starts off rough. Then he put in Tawi and then you drive down the field. Tawi makes plays the whole way down the field. And then you immediately pull him out and put Marcus Major in. And, you know, so I don't understand this. And, and I, I, I don't get it because, like, we heard after the SMU game, well, it's about finding who has the hot hand and who's, you know, really kicking at that time or whatever. It's like, okay, well, what, what did you see from Tawi in that series that he didn't? he wasn't, didn't have the hot hand. And then he put Marcus major in who then is not able to do a whole lot. Um, again, later on in the game, they were able to start doing stuff, but again, the offensive line was playing way better. Um, so you know what I mean? Like it was just, it was a really, I guess in a way that's like the offensive play calling and decision-making of who to play and when really was confusing to me as far as, especially the running backs. Yeah. And my my only like conspiracy theory, like not even conspiracy, but like as I try to put myself in the place of DeMarco and of Jeff Levy, here's where I'm at. My thought is, look, our line's not Brum blocking very well. Like they're just not. 
So we're going to need somebody that can get get one to two yards when there's no yards there, right? And of the roster right now, that's Towie and that's Marcus Major. Just from a physical build standpoint, right? For them both to be right at around 220 pounds, they can do that. Then you add in the component, if we do get a crease and we do get a hole, Towie ain't taking it to the house. Like, there ain't no way he's taking one to the house. Like, that ain't happening. Marcus Major, there's a chance, right, that it really could house it. And I think that that's the, I think that's the thought process behind it. I agree with you that Towie had the hot hand. Some of those substitutions are him being tired and all whatnot, but um, I just think that that's kind of the position. It's kind of like we were, you know, as much as everybody hated it, and I did too, you know, that, you know, everybody always talks about, for instance, the Baylor game where Mike Stoops just lined us up eight yards off and they just ran curls the whole way down the field, right? And everybody starts booing. And if you remember, they went to press coverage after the crowd started booing. And you remember what the very next play was? Touchdown. Like, so it's kind of that deal of, yes, this is annoying that we're giving up a six-yard curl route all the way down the field. But the minute we come up to anything else in coverage, we're just getting burnt down well, the field so what what's the right call you know well i i, I think it's one of those things of like I, I think both can be true um to some extent it's like last year when we were in the texas game right as much as i know nobody wants to think about that game for us um you know you had the package the wildcat package that you brought out and you ran all the way down the field to like the 20 and then you go back to your base offense and then can't move yeah. the ball you know it's like i understand that you're, you're not gonna be able to run that package the entire game because they're just going to start you know, load Nate in the box sure. and uh, game over. Um, but you know, at the same time, it was like the the timing just felt weird, right? Like you you literally you score a touchdown. Towie had time to rest, and then he just doesn't come out and doesn't play like the entire next series. You know what I mean? So it's like, and I have nothing against Marcus Major. I just it was one of those. It just felt like that momentum that a player like letting that like trying to let Towie. It's like you got to let Towie try to build momentum. If he goes, if he makes big plays, which he did on that scoring drive, mm-hmm. you know, you want to try to get him. If you can get him rolling, get him rolling, right? Get his momentum up. And it felt like they leaned way more on Marcus Major to try to get him going, and he ended up in the second half. But I felt like again that was more the offensive line. So that's just my question: is just. Sure. We need to and, be better. And let's let's not, you know, one thing I haven't heard anybody say that I just thought of in this moment. Towie didn't take a snap last week. Yeah. So that that has to start to lead you to believe that maybe he's not 100%. Right? Like maybe he's not fully there and they were trying to keep him from being used up or or aggravating whatever was hurt, right, in order to keep him fresh for Iowa State and Texas. I, and I don't know, but that's just a just a thought. But, yeah, I didn't think Marcus Major was as bad as people made it out. I, 95% of the issues in the run game were, without a doubt, the the offensive line. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I the interior, I felt like the tackles played pretty good for the most part throughout the game even. Um, at the interior, uh, especially I, I'll just circle them. Raymond Matower for for most of that game did not look like offensive linemen. So yeah, well, I would say this. Number one, I I mean, I have to be fair and say I thought they did better than I was anticipating. You know, like 
they held up extremely well in the past game. And I was really nervous about that defensive line just really giving us fits. Now they they got some, but that's a good enough D line to get give you some fits, right? Um, the run game is a different story. I mean, there definitely was just very little there. Um, second half going in that third quarter, I kind of started watching what they changed and they did get away from the zone a little bit, but this is what's interesting. They also did not run the GT counter. They literally just pulled Guyton. And if you go through that whole sequence where they were really gashing them for the run, here's two things to notice. They quit pulling Matower and they pulled Guyton from the right side to the left side. And I think we can agree the left side of that offensive line is the stronger side of the line. You know, even though Everett's not a world beater, he's a scrapper, he's a fighter. Um, he holds in there. So they started just pulling Guyton across and helping clear the way. And that started creating some creases and some lanes, you know, and they even pulled an old Lincoln Riley move where they ran that same, you know, tackle counter look and then threw it out into the flat really quick to, to Stoops at one point for like an eight yard gain, you know, so they had some, some throw ability um, off that. So, yeah, um, I, I, I'm with you, the interior line. I can't, Cannot argue with you, man. It was not very good. Yeah, it, it's the weakest part of that line. So, yeah. and um, then the last, my other complaint, the one thing I noticed too, and even going back and watching it today, I was like, man, I forgot how bad this was, and I don't really know how to feel about it, but I feel like this was a problem last year too, and it was coming out of halftime, getting the ball, thinking, okay, here we go, they're going to make some adjustments. They're going to have their script of plays. They're going to be able to move forward. And we looked like we had no idea what we were doing. You had that funky little motion deal with Gavin Freeman, and he didn't know where he was supposed to be. And Dylan Gabriel thinks he's supposed to be faking something, and he's not faking any. I mean, it was it was weird. Like, there were two or three plays on that sequence that they go, you know, I think they went four or five plays and out that you were just like, what are y'all doing? Like y'all came out of halftime. Like y'all had a 20 minute halftime for this. Like this is your organized coming out and let's attack them motif. Like this ain't good, man. Like how do well, you do that? Well, yeah, I mean, that was definitely head scratching. Um, And just it, again, like you just feel like it, it's almost like what we would see under Lincoln where it would be like you go into timeout and then you come out of timeout and people would look more confused, you know, or you wouldn't have the right personnel or something. You're like, you're in timeout. What are you doing? You know? Um, so, but yeah, I mean that, and then the only, the only other thing that we didn't really talk about punting, the punting, punting was horrendous. Uh, there was like, I don't even know. I think there was like three or four shanks on the day. Um, very, very bad day for him. So it's like, I mean, again, it, it's a game. I think he's been good the rest of the season. Was it Plaster? Is that his name, Plaster? Yeah, Plaster. Um, yeah. I think he's been good the rest of the season. So, like, I'm not too worried if he can get get it right, but it definitely needs improvement. I mean, I think if he keeps doing that, it's like people are going to really start missing Michael Turk. So, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it, that that was a little bit head scratching and troubling, and and again because of that. OU spent most of the first half in terrible field position. I think we started inside the 15 two or three times in the first half. And that's, I don't care how good you are offensively. That's, that's tough to go the length of the field 
um, on that. So, um, but look on the road. Oh, and I forgot to say, shout out to the Cincinnati Bearcat faithful. Um, every person in our discord that went to the game, everybody on Twitter that went to the game, nothing but talking about how incredibly loud that stadium was um, for as small as it was of a stadium. Dude, they packed it in and they packed it out and they brought the thunder. And matter of fact, uh, good old Travis Skull on uh, uh, the ref was basically kind of calling out our student section because he said, dude, their student section was, I mean, just all about it. He was like, if OU could ever have this kind of student section, it'd be incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. And like I said, everybody was, I mean, you could tell on the broadcast. It was. I remember it was kind of funny at the end of the broadcast because like they were even having to like you could tell that they were having to talk louder because it was so loud in the stadium you know just before even before kickoff so yeah and it i mean it affected us right we had a snap that almost resulted we are very lucky it didn't result in a touchdown for cincinnati as it glances off dg's uh shoulder pad and then the other one where rain just doesn't snap it and the whole o-line it's like what are you doing bro at least it didn't hit him in the family jewels like Caleb Williams. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's always a bad day. So, anyways, but no, all in all, this is a big win, man. This was this was a test, and we said, uh, or at least I think I said that this was going to kind of be how this game went. <laughs> I said that Cincinnati's defense would keep this game tight and make it feel uncomfortable for a while, and they definitely did into the second half. And I, but the defense played so well. It honestly wasn't that uncomfortable, which is crazy to think. Well, about. and like, we're going to talk again. I haven't talked about this a lot, but we're going to talk about this later about. Yeah. Maybe about why reasons, this maybe right? maybe this why the scoreboard doesn't show how dominant OU was in that victory. Yeah, maybe not. So let's talk some picks first, though. Right. Shall we? So we picked seven games over the weekend. Me, you and Troy against the spread. Uh, we picked Florida State and Clemson, Colorado, Oregon. Ole Miss versus Bama, UCLA versus Utah, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Texas and Baylor, and then of course OU. And we'll start here. Jared, by the way, by the way, we picked six games. I don't even know. We picked oh, never mind. We picked OU, and never mind. Yes. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah, I can I can count on occasion. Uh, Sometimes. No. <laughs> Jared starts off the pick season two, three, and one because we had a push in the Ohio State Notre Dame game. Um and so that one ended up being a push. So he goes 2-3 and 1. Troy goes 4-2 and 1. And uh can I say, ladies and gentlemen, 5-1 and 1 to start off the season. That is not too shabby, ladies and gentlemen. Just go ahead and throw your life savings on all my picks and you will be absolutely poor by the end of the season. So Yes, moving along. Um, <laughs> you done? And so, yeah, I, I'm I, I'm fine. After you sending endless text messages on Saturday, giving it up to yourself, I just had to have a little fun there of of giving it up for for myself. So, yeah. I, who all. who who? Which one of us was really <laughs> high on Kip Lewis before he even? But when he like before he arrived on campus, that that would be you. Hey. Just, Throw it out there. Go ahead. So let's move on. Let's, let's keep it going. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I think we have to talk about 
And I wanted to kind of separate it from the game because, look, it is what it is. But the uh, one of the trending hashtags, at least in the Oklahoma City region for Twitter on Saturday, was hashtag Big 12 Conspiracy. And it had to do with, oh, a certain pass on the sideline that was reviewed by instant replay and still considered a catch despite the fact that his foot was well out of bounds. We had a um, guy be tackled, and then the DB still almost get an interception, but the referee determined that it was an uncatchable ball. Therefore, it was not pass interference. And we had a few. uh, We had Rondell Bothroyd getting a sack while being held um, at the exact same time. Um, which was really impressive to watch. Uh, so, yeah, there were just a couple of. Well, you didn't even mention clues. it was even like, you know, we had the, the this isn't something that I think people forget to the uh, threats when he had the play that they threw a flag on it, surprisingly, because they kind of had to when Dylan went to slide and yes. it was helmet to helmet contact. Like it was textbook targeting. And they reviewed. I don't those. think it was helmet, but it was it was definitely a shoulder pad into the head and neck area. That's what went. Yeah. Either contact. way, either way, it, it's it's textbook. It was textbook targeting. Yeah. And they have to review that. Like they have time to review that. Yep. And the Big Twelve was like, no, nah, it looks good. It was a late hit. I remember. I remember we were all in the Discord. Like, oh, we're finally going to get a call. We're finally yeah. going to get targeting. Threats is going to go out. He's their their best player in their secondary, probably. And boom, it's yeah, the late hit. And I was like, I I am confused. Um <laughs> so I mean, and I don't want to sound like that fan base like the official, like we won the game. We won right. the game. And but this is my point. You have the play like you talked about, the highlight of the the end zone play. Um yes. where where literally was it it was Farouk, wasn't it? Um yes. gets at literally tackled, just gets knocked to the ground. The dude nearly makes the interception, but they ruled it uncatchable. So that's you're basically. And then we had to settle for a field goal. So you take four points off the board there. Yep. So we could call it twenty four to to six at that point. Um, they and, get three points on the drive where he makes the catch on the sideline. Yeah. So there's yeah. three more points there. Yeah. So that's twenty four to three. You know, or whatever. I mean, it, it's just like it was, and it was like all these crucial times, like, and then the holds. I um, mean, again, you end up holding them on fourth and two instead or whatever. But like I said, there was the play where he's getting tackled to the like he's literally in front of the. I went. I sent the video. This is what's <laughs> funny. I actually sent this. I sent all of that stuff to one of my friends. That's not even a college football fan. He's a football fan, but he doesn't really watch college football. And I was like, you know, look at this stuff. He's like, dude, how did they not call these? Yeah. And I was like, right. I was like one. There's literally I watched it. The ref is five yard exactly five yards from the play. And it's there's nothing blocking. It's not in the wash. You know, it's like if it's up in the wash of the offensive line and it's all collapsed and everybody's falling on each other. Okay, sometimes they can't see that, right? Like colors blend together, whatever. This is there's nothing impairing him from seeing it. And and instead of calling that a hold or awarding the sack or whatever it was that happened in the play afterwards, uh, well, somebody lined up in the neutral zone, which even then I, I went back and watched that play and it's like. If they're calling that the neutral zone, bro, then like every play is going to get a penalty for somebody being in the neutral zone. Like that was the biggest. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, 
I the angle was really bad, and you always have to remember that the uh, the blue line is not always correct. But if the blue line was correct, even on that one, I was like, okay, I can see where if he was leaning over the right way, he could technically have his helmet in the neutral zone, which is still in the neutral zone. Um, but my lord, man, and and the other side of that is the DBs do the same things that receivers do. They all come out and point at the sideline judge to say, am I good? And obviously he was until it was time for a flag. Uh, you had another one on Austin Stogner. That, that one was a little more bang, bang, where, but the DB never turned his head, never looked for the ball, runs straight into Stogner about, uh, I don't know, a full yard to two yards for the ball ever gets there. And just no call, right? Andrew, and, Andrew and, Anthony's and, Oh, sorry. And Andrew Anthony's. There was no flag on that one either. And that was clear as day. I mean, and again, is the penalty going to be declined? Yes, but you still throw the flag. Like, that flag should have come out well before the ball was caught. And instead, there was nothing. And I don't believe there's a flag coming out at all. And so, oh, and I did not add, there was not a holding call yet again called against the opponents and we blitzed a lot we we had pressure a lot on the day there was and there, there was, was a, not a single holding call there was one and i like there was even a play i remember watching live i don't remember if it was danny or canic but one of them came through on a blitz and they get they go straight through and the the offensive lineman grabbed them by like their like basically hooked their shoulder pad and like almost ripped them to the ground nearly you know, like right. kind of threw them off course and let Emory Jones roll out away from it. And it's like, how do, do you think Danny or Canick just decided to like do some weird, like scenic route to the quarterback? Like, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Like, I hate to be that guy. You know what I mean? I hate to yeah. be that guy. It's like the officiating, but it's like, dude, like there's so many egregious, like the reviews, especially the reviews. Like when you review that play and it's like, all of his toes. I don't think he had a toe that was inbounds on right. the play where he where they rolled it a catch. It's like you reviewed that. You slowed that down. You zoomed it in. And even on the crappy angles we had on TV, you could tell that was an incomplete pass. You don't yes. give us that. And it's like, okay, you know, that's really that's really crazy that you don't. I'll let that slide. But again, then it's like the uh the tackle in the end zone. Yeah. The 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 rip down right in front. Like it's like the number is so exceedingly high that you just have to be like, bro, like, what am I? What am I like? I, I have no other choice. Like at this point, it's like I have to follow the evidence and say, like, I don't know. There has to be a conspiracy like there. has. I to mean, be. there's something because I'm with you. Like when you look at last year that again in what nearly a thousand snaps of not that many. It was, uh, no, it was close to that. It was close to that. It was close to a thousand snaps defensively for OU last year. Not only one holding call, one for the entire season. We are now one game into this season and that we have zero despite blitzing a running quarterback who rolled out and ran a lot on the day. There's not a well, single and one. And honestly, and honestly, like I've seen some people talking about, like, you know, we allowed more yards, and Emory Jones didn't even look that good. It's like, look, 
you you gave up what twenty or thirty yards on the pass play that shouldn't have been should have been incomplete, right? Um, and then I can think of two run plays that netted them like ten to fifteen twenty yards. Um, and and there's a hole like the hold is right there by, and it's like that's again another thing is it's right by the the action of the play. It's not on the other side of the field on the sideline. It's like it's the guy that's gonna make the play if he's not being right. held, getting held. So it's like honestly, like I. I would take off a field goal from Cincinnati and I'd probably call it a hundred yards, close to a hundred yards of offense off of the board for them based on if penalties were called somewhere yeah, in that maybe. neighborhood, maybe not a hundred, but hundreds tops. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. Yeah. It, it's going to be fast. And like you said, like, look, BV took the high road. There's a human element and he's right. Like, look, I would say all of us understand that, you know, almost every week there's going to be a call, right? That's just, what? Like, how did you not see that? But we are now two seasons in to multiple, multiple, multiple clear as day calls being missed that are massive calls in in the scheme of the game. Like, I mean, think about if Cincinnati catches that interception on the one that they knock Farouk to the ground. Mm-hmm. What what happens to momentum in that stadium? What happens to the psyche well, even, of the team? Like even and like I said, even if you think about it, like if you think 24, 24 to six actually somehow sounds a lot better than twenty to six, right? Oh, yeah. Or or and like I said, and to me, it's like I would have given this. I would have given the Sooners probably another. I'd say it should have been thirty one to six, thirty one to three, and it's like then we're talking about a dominant win. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because you're also not even including in there our mistakes. Right, like the yeah. missing the Farouk deep ball, like that's that was four more points. So now you're talking, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of you know anywhere from thirty one to thirty five to potentially three points. That's that feels real nice to say that. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I and what's the funny thing about it? it what cracks me up is I guess now Kansas is ranked, but it's like. You're you're literally if this is if it ends up it's never going to be proven right like this is all just we're just thinking this is happening, but if you are conspiring, you're conspiring against your two highest ranked teams, and the ones that are really right, especially this season, are the only ones carrying any sort of attention in yeah on the national stage yeah, and you're literally trying to sabotage them. I guess is I I mean that's the only thing that can like throws me off, but it's like. It's just like it feels like such a petty thing, and but of course, the one thing I'll concede is the crew that we had for the Cincinnati game is notorious for making horrible calls. I, and that's another thing for the Big Twelve is like why, why do you have these crews that are notorious across m- every fan base in the Big Twelve for calling terrible games? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't deep research that that much, but I will say this. I mean, I put out on Saturday, and I think it's true. The one thing that OU fans and Texas fans need to agree on and come together on is posting and tagging the Big 12 in these plays that are just blatant, blatant, blatant mistakes. Because it's going to create a narrative around the conference that's just undeniable. And at this point, it's just bad um, how much of that kind of stuff is happening. And you would think at that point that they're going to start to come down the referees more and try to try to rein them in and prove them do whatever, but something needs to be done. It's, it's, 
it's pretty bad, and we're basically eleven games into, um, yeah, we're a, a Big Twelve conference that just continues to do this kind of crap. So, yeah, uh, it's pretty wild. Now let's move out of the Big Twelve and just college football is, uh, you know, as a whole, lots of good games this week, um, exciting games. Any kind of general thoughts from you from the games this weekend because there yeah. was a lot of big ones with lots Clemson. of fireworks. Clemson, Florida State was wild. Um, yes. You know, they Clemson really should have won that game. Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like Clemson played the better game outside of two plays. Um, you know, I felt like they really should. Like I said, I, I, it's almost crazy that they lost it. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously everybody's going to be talking about it, but the Georgia, or not Georgia, the Colorado, uh, Oregon game. Oregon. Uh, you know, um, it was kind of funny because I did see somebody point out, I, you know, you saw Dan Landing's speech where we're, oh yeah, where oh, yeah. we're doing this for for wins, not for clicks. We're or not whatever. chasing and, clicks, we're chasing wins. And I thought I was like, it is kind of hilarious that Oregon, the team that has five thousand different jersey combinations, and now they have <laughs> shoes that, that light up or whatever when they overheat or whatever. Um, yeah, that they're not doing it because that isn't Hollywood or whatever. Um, I, I don't, I have no problem with it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really what we expected to see out of Colorado when they face a stiffer opponent was they don't have anything in the trenches, you know, um, either on the offense or defensive side of the ball, I'd say on the defense side of the ball, they have athletes, but they don't have anybody that's going to be able to consistently, you know, um, just dominate an offensive line. Um, I saw a lot, they have a lot of those guys that are kind of like those twitchier, D linemen where oh, they yeah. can, if they get in the backfield and they're trouble, it's just getting them there. Um, you know, and that's, and it sucks because I think, uh, how do you say his name? Shadir? Is it Shadir? Shador. Shador. Well, whatever. Um, I, I do think he's a phenomenal quarterback, but he just doesn't have, I mean, he was getting bullied in that game. Um, his, his offensive line just didn't give him a chance to throw. Um, but yeah, it was a fun game to watch. Um, even regardless of that, I will give it to Oregon. Their fans were, it was kind of funny. Like I was, I, as a matter of fact, I had taken uh, a minute just to go grab, I had to go run down to, to Publix or something. And I remember I had it on the car and I was listening to it and they're like, uh, so Colorado's driving and the Oregon faithful are getting loud again because they want to, they want to throw the shutout. Um, <laughs> you know, and it was, and you could hear it on the broadcast, how loud it was. So, um, but yeah, that, and then, um, and I guess it's a parlay that into my last thing that I really, I really think, and this is, I know we maybe should talk about this a little more in the preview, but USC Colorado, I think is going to be a really dang good game. Really, really good because, um, USC let, uh, Arizona state hanging what 28 points on them and yep. Arizona state got shut out by Fresno state. Um, and they've not shown any sort of alf- offensive output, but they look like a, you know, good offensive team against USC. So I, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, you know, you've got a mobile quarterback, um, uh, which Grinch has never shown that he's been able to really stop. Um, and you have really good skill position players. Um, so I think it's going to be a good game. I mean, USC will probably win because I think they have better offensively. They're better. Oh yeah. But, uh, you know, as like, if that game ends up being 56 to, you know, 49 or something wouldn't shock me. No, that that's going to feel that game. 
really does have the potential to feel like an old school Big 12 game, right? The 55 to 45 kind of thing. Yeah. Um, because I don't think Colorado's defense is any good either. Um, yeah. For that matter. So I, I think both of those offenses are just going to up and down the field all day long. For and, sure. hey, and shout out, shout, I will give a shout out to Dion. Dion took it on the chin. He said, you know, we got a good old butt kicking. You know, like it's like, I, you know, there's part of me that gets annoyed at some of the things he does, but I'm like, he also was just him. You oh, know? yeah. Like he, his guys want to play for him. It's the same thing. I look at him, like, honestly, after really thinking about it, it's like I view him almost in the same light as Baker, where if he's like, you're on your team, then you, you're going to cheer yeah. for him. And if right. he's not, you, you hate him. You know what right. I mean? So I respect him, you know? Um, so anyway, I just want to shout out because, like I said, he, he, I, he took it on the chin, you know. Um, so respect to him for that. Yeah. Uh one of my big takeaways from the weekend is um I hope that everybody that was so ready to assassinate in the media, Brent Venables, because he obviously was not ready to be a head coach because he had some time management issues in his very first year as a head coach. Um, are ready to start saying the thing, same things about Marcus Freeman after he played two of his final plays that lost him a game with ten players on the field. Yep. Ten players. And did, on wasn't the one field. wasn't one of them coming out of a timeout? Uh, I have no idea, to be honest. I just I saw think last one was coming out of a timeout. They're talking about, but I mean, how you look out there, how your coaches look out a booth window. And don't notice that you only have 10 players, not for one, but for two plays in a crucial moment where you have to win a football game. That's pretty unforgivable. And by the way, you're the defense, old defensive coordinator. That's your side of the ball that you're supposed to know and recognize and do. I just, man, that was rough. Now, at the same time, I love Marcus Freeman. I, I mm -hmm. like him, right? Yep. I'm just saying from a media standpoint, um, that's, that's pretty unforgivable from a head coaching standpoint to do that in that game. And so, uh, we'll see if they treat that one fairly, but, um, you know, give credit to Ohio state. They were more, um, uh, they definitely showed more toughness and physicality than I expected them to be able to. And, and that's really what got them there. So I thought that, that was, um, an interesting game, fun game. And then, yeah, I mean, Staying up to watch the USC game, by the way, uh, Caleb Williams is him. I mean, oh, Caleb Williams is, yeah. Dude, I just watching the first quarter, I, my wife was reading as I was watching that game, and I looked over and I said, he, like, he is good for eight wins by himself. Yeah. Like, just him is good for eight wins on almost any team. And if they don't find another Caleb Williams to take his place, um, they may have more talent by then through recruiting that maybe it doesn't matter. But, man, right now, USC would be in so much trouble if it wasn't for Caleb Williams. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. If they were playing, even though the Pac-12 looks good this year, more way better than I thought they would, the teams do. Um, if he was playing in the Big Ten, bro, like he would be – those defensive line, those defenses are a lot stouter, especially in the trenches. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And – um it's just wild, man. It's wild to think about that. And again, the Pac-12 this year, um, I heard them talking about this on the radio the other day. It's, it might be one of the better conferences in all of college football, but they also have all the good quarterbacks. 
They have Caleb Williams. They have Penix Jr. They have DJ Uyungle. Like, they have Cam Rising. I mean, all the quarterbacks that you know by name outside of Drake May, right, are are there. Like, nobody at Alabama is Bo Nix. You didn't even down. mention Bo Nix. Oh, Bo Nix. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, Bodacious. I apologize. Uh, I mean, they are stacked with quarterback play, and that is a difference maker. There is no doubt about it. Um, that 100%. makes a huge, huge difference. So it was a wild week, man. College football this year is fun, and I, I would say this lastly. I know we're only four weeks in, and it's still hard to tell, but it really has felt like the last, I don't know, three, four years probably – there's definitely two teams that you just stack and go, one of these two will be in the championship. And there might be a third that you think maybe could get there um, legitimately before the season starts right now, man, it's Georgia. And there's probably about eight to nine other teams that I feel like could end up in that playoff. This is, and that makes college football fun. And this, I know, I know they ended up winning the game and they ended up winning it fairly big, but Alabama does not look like a good team this year. They do not look good. If they get the quarterback play and the defensive play they did the second half of that game through the rest of the season, they'll be a problem. Well, but they're but, but their offensive they're line they're not what they have been. They are not yeah. what they have been. Well, and their offensive line is not playing well either. So right. um yeah, but yeah, I mean it's it's just a weird year. Um, which I guess is in a way maybe like a good thing for OU. Yeah. Um, you know, uh if there's some way that you, you know you run through the schedule and you end up undefeated, it's like there's a lot of room for for you to get in the playoff. Um, oh goodness, yeah. Even with you, even with a loss or something. Um, so, yeah, just a wild year. Um, but like I said, I I've really enjoyed. Uh, and, and I also really liked the. Um, uh, or I didn't really like, but it was kind of funny to see the Ryan Day versus Lou Holtz thing and that whole. Dude, his post game was. Wow. That's all I know to say. Like that was very intense, very over the top. That was Matt Campbell esque, shall I say? Ryan yeah. Day was. If you haven't looked up Ryan Day's post game on the field interview, it feels like Matt Campbell is the coach of Ohio State in that interview. Yeah, it was. I don't know what was going on there. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It, it was a wild. Uh, it was a wild day of football. Like I said, it was one of those things where it was like I. It, this was like one of those weird times that like it was this early in the season where I was like trying to change between games so much. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I got YouTube TV, so they have like the quad where you can watch four yes. games at once or whatever. And it's really cool. But it's like, dude, even then I was like, well, they don't have this game. And I was having to like flip through and try to find, like, it was so wild. There was so much stuff going on. Um, So yeah, it, there's, there's just it, college football is, I, I'm going to say this and I know you're not going to agree with me. If the transfer portal and some of that has done anything good, it's bring a little bit more parity across college football, in my opinion. Maybe so. Maybe so. That's it's an interesting thought. Um which by the way, you know who's you know who's not using the transfer portal though? Mike Gundy. Mike Gundy. Yeah, that guy. How is he how did he make it back to Stillwater? How did he make it back to Still? You let Iowa State but by the way, guy, did you did you hear did you watch that game? Did you see any of that? I I did watch some of that game. Thirty-four points. Yeah, thirty-four for a points team that had been on life support offensively all year. Yeah, I. They had ten. You know, did I tell you the stat? Do you know how many passing yards Oklahoma State had in the first quarter? No, 
10. Wow. Um, so, I mean, obviously they end up doing some offensive things, but I also think like, it's one of those weird things to like the little brother up North. It's like, what? I don't understand how you can defend the guy anymore. Right. That's really what I want to know is like the fact that he sits down and, you know, in the post game and he's like, well, you know, like we just didn't win the third, we didn't win the third, uh, third down conversion battle. That's it. It's like, like what? And he's like, you know, we didn't do bad. Like we don't have any major issues. Like the things he says, I'm like, bro, what are you like? I don't know what, what sort of I copium you're just having to go back to your house and do or something. But this is wild <laughs> to me, bro. Like, yeah, even the, for the, uh, whole, the whole loyal and true thing. I was like, I don't know how people aren't trying to run him out of town. Yeah, he needs a new clause in his contract like they did for the Iowa offensive coordinator, but his needs to be that he spends X amount of hours recruiting every day um, because that's the stuff he doesn't want to do, and that's why their roster is in the situation that it's in is because he has chosen not to recruit, and he's chosen to avoid the portal completely, and um, that's that's how you get a roster of that level. So, well, that's our review of the Cincinnati game. It's kind of our review of college football week four. It was an exciting one. We look forward to one again. We will do all we can to get a preview pod up of the Iowa State game uh, coming up this weekend, which will be a night game in Norman. Let's go. Oh, um, David Stone's big recruiting weekend. David Stone David will Stone, be in the uh, house. Who is uh, is Koye, I think, going to be there too? And somebody uh, he I don't might come down for that game. I haven't seen an official list yet of it. I know David Stone has said he will be there, but I haven't seen a list outside of that. So yeah. we'll try to keep you updated on that on Wednesday as well. Um, we do the preview bod. So come back, check it out. And we may do it live. We'll just see kind of how the week plays out. Um, we're trying to do that more and more. Again, it's just hard with family schedules to always guarantee it, but we will let you know um, surely uh, the day of, early in the day, whether or not we will be um, going live or not that night with our preview. So, man, we hope you've enjoyed it. We have, and uh, we're grateful that you're listening. We're having a great time, and we hope you are too. I'm Daryl. That's Jared, and we will talk to you guys later. Bye, Baker. Cha-ching, it's money ball. And you can unhitch the wagon. Put the ponies in the ball.